The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. No book can take the place of being there, of seeing the landscape, walking the fields, and communing with the ghosts of the people who made this war a defining moment in America's history. That's a line from the introduction of a book that you need to take with you when you go on one of these trips to where the war happened. The book is The Complete Civil War Road Trip Guide. It's one of several valuable and interesting road trip guides written by today's guest, Michael Weeks. Join us for a conversation on the road with Michael Weeks today on Civil War Talk Radio. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at World Talk Radio and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you on a gray, cloudy, rainy Friday afternoon in 2013. It's the first show of 2013 as we return from winter break here at East Carolina University broadcasting to you, webcasting to you from the third floor of the towering four-story Brewster building on the campus of ECU, but not speaking for the history department or economics or sociology or anyone else in the Brewster building or on campus or anywhere in the UNC system just for ourselves. And likewise, our guest will speak only for himself, as we always do on Civil War Talk Radio. Well, it is good to be back after a uh, brief hiatus there for the uh, for the winter break. We had graduation last December after the final show of the year with John Jakes. That was certainly interesting. I had never read any of the novels of Mr. Jakes growing up. I, they did not. They came a generation too late to be the hook that brought me into Civil War. Uh, research and study and uh, interest, but certainly there are a lot of people for whom those are the the gateway drug that gets them interested in the revolution or the civil war or something else. And it was quite interesting to uh, to read one of them for the first time. In the aftermath, I 
uh, my wife said, oh, bring one of those back from the library. I, I loved them when they came out in the 70s when she was, I'd say she was in elementary school, so it's not to give away her age, but she read them when she was in high school. And she she read one, and she got about a third of the way through it and just could go no further. Uh, her taste, it turned out, had changed between the ages of 16 and her current uh, status. So there, there's uh, not to say anything bad about uh, John Jake's novels. I thoroughly enjoyed the one that I read before our conversation, but they are for they, they have a certain appeal, and they're not. Uh, and, and certainly, high school uh, girls, intelligent high school girls, some of them find them enthralling. Uh, so we'll move on. We're we're not going to go any further into that uh, topic, but talk instead about shows that are upcoming. Uh, next week, no live show as, as I will be uh, on the road. But And in fact, no live show the week after that. I'll be on the road again. It'll be the department chair's retreat here at East Carolina. It's an annual event. And so unfortunately, two weeks without a new show. When we come back, uh, February 1, Anthony Goggin, Drake University will join us to talk about the United States versus Lee, the last battle of the Civil War, legal battle stretched out into the 20th century, uh, an interesting topic. On February 8th, the next week, we'll have Brian Dirk talking about Lincoln and white America. Uh, Brian was supposed to be on the show last uh, semester during the fall season, and there was a, a mix-up uh, for which I take full responsibility. And I'm delighted that he will be back, and we'll have him on then. On February 15th, we have Barbara Gannon, author of The One Cause. You've heard enough about the lost cause. What about the guys who won? Uh, she's written a book about the memory of the Union, in particular the GAR, the Union veterans after the war, and what they remembered that they were fighting for. Uh, so that should be a, a very interesting discussion. And on February 22nd, Tony Horwitz joins us. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for some time. We've been talking for uh, uh, a while back when he was, most of you know him from the the, uh, classic Confederates in the Attic. Uh, Anyone listening to the show who has not read that uh, will want to do so before the show to because it's just such a treat to uh, get this person's take on what Civil War buffs uh, are about as he travels through the country and how people remember the war. But uh, he has also written a more recent book about John Brown, and we'll be talking about that uh, in addition. So uh, join us on February 22nd for Tony Horwitz. On March 1st, tentatively, we have uh, Doug Batson, who is a D.H. Hill presenter. Uh, we try to vary the lineup occasionally, not just academics, certainly not just authors, uh, but people who do other things in relation to the, the field of Civil War studies. And there are lots of Lincoln presenters out there. We've had, uh, uh, we, we've had people on the show before who do Lincoln presentations. The Abraham Lincoln, uh, the Lincoln Presenters Association uh, has dozens of members, over a hundred members, and it's quite a, Quite a sight to speak at their annual conferences. I had the privilege of doing a couple of years ago, seeing a whole room full of Lincolns. But while there are plenty of Lincolns and uh, not a few Lees and uh, Stephen Douglases, Frederick Douglases, but 
when you get down to DHL, there really aren't a lot of people uh, at that level doing firsthand interpretation uh, or impersonation as the as they don't like to be called. But uh, we'll hear from uh, someone who who does that and should be uh, a worthwhile show. Then uh, no live show on March 8th. We're going through most of the spring season here as Civil War Talk Radio takes a Friday afternoon off for a college reunion. Three of my roommates from college days will be coming into Greenville, and we will have to be alerting the media and security services and pretty much everybody else in town, and there will be no no possibility of a live show that day, unfortunately. So... There will be more after that. Uh, we'll stop there. To keep abreast of everything on Civil War Talk Radio, be sure to go to www.impedimentsofwar.org where Mark Gaffney runs the website and keeps us all up to date on who's been on the show and who's coming up on the show. While you're there, you can also donate to the Civil War Talk Radio Book Fund. There's a PayPal button. Uh, you can click and send uh, funds that way. In the past, we've been able to send out a copy of All for the Regiment or Did Lincoln Own Slaves with a donation of $20 or more. Stocks are uh, perilously low of both of those in my, my personal supply here. So if, uh, if you're interested in that, take advantage soon. But sometime in the spring season, we'll probably have to discontinue Sending those. If you did send a contribution in the last month or two and hadn't heard back uh, from me about it, uh, I apologize for that. There's a small backlog I need to clear up, and I will get in touch with anyone who has uh, contributed. Contributions are not tax deductible. It's important that I remind you of that. They can be used for the host's college reunion weekend or for actually buying books, whichever, whichever I choose. So you can't uh, can't deduct them, alas. Well, let's move forward in time now, uh, or back backward actually to where where we should be right now, and talk uh, with this week's guest. Uh, Michael Weeks is the author of The Complete Civil War Road Trip Guide, which I'm holding in my hand. Uh, Mr. Weeks, are you there? Yes. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Nice to be uh, here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for for joining me on the show. Do you go by Michael or Mike? I know oh, some Michaels who are very sensitive about that. Yeah, I'm I'm not one of those guys. I'll answer to both, but uh, Mike's just fine. That that's good. Um, well, let let me start with a little bit about your background. Uh, what? Uh, how did you come to be interested in the Civil War to write something like uh, a series of road trip guides about the war? Well, it, it was pretty indirect. I, uh, like a lot of people, my first real exposure to the history of the war was the old Ken Burns series. Uh, and I know that, you know, a lot of historians sometimes like to, to jump on that, but the fact is it, it kindled a lot of interest in a lot of people, and I was one of those. Um, and that kind of got the history bug going. And then, right out of college, I actually lived in Philadelphia for a while. And, of course, Philadelphia, you're, you can't get away from history. It's everywhere. Uh, and, and certainly it's, it's focused mostly on the Revolution, but that was my first time living out east. So it was the first chance I had to go to just hop in the car and drive to uh, Manassas or 
Gettysburg or you know Fredericksburg, some of these other places that uh, before just didn't really seem possible. And that sparked an interest in learning more. So I you know I started reading all of these volumes about the Civil War and hearing all of these names that I'd never heard of, places like Perryville and Mansfield and Island Number Ten. And I started to think, well, what's at these places now? Why haven't I heard of them? And really, the only reason was because they hadn't been made national parks. So I started driving around trying to find out a few things, and uh, from there it just turned into this hobby gone terribly, terribly wrong. And uh, I've pulled a couple of books out of it now. So if this was a hobby, uh, what's your day job? Uh, I, I actually work in software. Um, my background is in the sciences, in uh, occupational health and safety. Um, but uh, I, I can't pull myself away from the history. It's, uh, even, even during the day job, it's, it's always around somewhere. I, I was thinking of that. I noticed your, your address on one of our correspondences that passed back and forth uh, seems to be downtown Chicago. And uh, I worked at, uh, I think it was 55 East Monroe for uh, several years as a lawyer uh, okay. and uh, just uh, just east of, of State Street, uh, not quite in the water, but, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. And I have vivid memories in the early 80s of, of sitting up in my desk with a, a grand view and sneaking out a copy of the Centennial History of the Civil War during a lunch break or uh, just a break at a client's expense to, uh, to to follow my passion and and that's why I do what I do today but I, I completely uh, understand how that that overlaps although yeah, I will well, say I missed I, I miss downtown Chicago yeah well it's it's easy for me because I work from home <laughs> so ah. <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's not too hard to sneak a few peeks of, of uh, something or other uh, when when I'm available to, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good place to live, good place to work. And there are sites in uh, uh, Chicago. One of the things that that I found most interesting about this road trip guide is, is it is complete. It, it's certainly not limited to um, uh, to the Virginia, to the the sites that everybody's familiar with. But you go to some. Uh, some out of the way places uh, talk about that why why include these places that that are not thought of as as civil war related well i when I started out that wasn't my intention at all um, you know i I had kind of made up my mind to concentrate on the larger battles and you know spotlight a, a few of those places that I mentioned earlier that people hadn't hadn't really heard of, but that it really made a, a big difference in the war. It really had an impact. Um, but along the way of seeing those places, what I discovered very quickly is that if you're standing on one Civil War battlefield, within 10, 20 miles, you've got a few more related to that campaign or a campaign a few years later. And I kept coming across all of these tiny little places that... Uh, were just too special to leave out. Uh, some real gems, places like uh, Mine Creek in Kansas, uh, a state park um, 
spotless battlefield. You look around 360 degrees and all you see is the battlefield. No high, highways or power lines or subdivisions. Um, and it, it was smaller places like that that I, after a while I just realized I, I couldn't not tell people about these places. So I, I went to the American Battlefield um, Preservation Program, a congressional commission that was formed back in the early 90s, who came up with this list of 384 battles that they considered the uh, the ones that had that, the greatest impact on the outcome of the war. And some, you know, when you get down to 384, there's some pretty tiny places. But uh, ultimately, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to see all of these. Whether there's something to see or not, I'm going to touch them all. And uh, it, I, I can't say they were all rewarding, but I'm, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I went to every one because I found some amazing things. What, let's talk about what, what amazed you. What, uh, uh, where did you find something really unexpected? Uh, well, certainly out west. Um, you know, and, and there are sites in the book that aren't directly related to the war. Uh, they were battles with Native Americans that pulled troops away from the war effort, and that's why they're uh, included on the list. Uh, and there were certainly some great memories there, but uh, you know, learning about the New Mexico campaign, uh, the Confederate campaign to uh, to take Santa Fe, and going out there and seeing it, uh, you know, I, in my book I call it probably the best. Uh, Battlefield visit for your money in the country. Uh, for five dollars, you go to Pecos National Park. You pile in a van with a ranger, and you get a two-hour personalized tour of this fairly intact and certainly beautiful battlefield. Um, so, certainly some unique things out there. Uh, going up to St. Albans, uh, St. Albans, Vermont, is not an easy place to get to. A lot of people are familiar with the Confederate raid that happened there, uh, Confederates coming across the Canadian border, uh, robbing the three banks in St. Albans because it was a railroad town, and dashing back across to Canada. Uh, it, it, a wonderful little town. Uh, small museum there that talks about the battle and a lot of other things. It's on this picture, postcard-perfect New England town common. Um, you know, it, all of the, the, the... This war is so scattered, uh, and the more I learn about it, the more I see it uh, here in Chicago or, you know, out west in, in Utah or somewhere, anywhere else, you walk down the street and you just see the war and pieces of the war everywhere, whether it's a, a little monument or, or just some, uh, a legacy of uh, uh, some, some regiment or some person uh, that came from there. It, it's it's all around us. Right, that's true, isn't it? I, I, again, just staying on the Chicago theme. If you go in, you know, Grant Park, there's named after Grant or Lincoln Park. Uh, there are statues of those people. There's the uh, the cemetery uh, with the con- monument to the Confederate uh, prisoners. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's just stuff everywhere, uh, and and it is it's omnipresent. And and once you start looking for it. And when I started studying Lincoln seriously, that I began noticing everything. You couldn't swing a cat without finding something named after Abraham Lincoln right. in the northern part of the country, and to some extent in the south. Uh, well, I, 
I want to ask more about some of these out of the way places, but also about some of the big places. What uh, uh, what's going on at them? But we're going to take a short break right now, and we will come right back. We're talking today with Michael Weeks, who's the author of the Complete Civil War Road Trip Guide, and I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person think about that for a second almost everyone wants to be better but how does one go about doing that One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio Variety. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and I'm talking today with Michael Weeks, author of The Complete Civil War Road Trip Guide and several other volumes of Civil War Road Trip uh, Guidance, which we'll talk about as well. The These books uh, are, are really outstanding guides for Civil War travel. There's been no shortage of such guides uh i think it's jim miles comes to mind as somebody's written a, a lot of them but uh these are, are particularly uh worth your while listeners in the introduction uh michael writes uh, how not to use this book he says don't rely on this book to tell you exactly where to go uh it's not uh, like Disneyland where you tell you how to stand in the footprints to make sure you get the best photo and don't forget to continue to breathe air while you're walking along. Um, instead, this, uh, well, how, how should we use this book? Well, simply as that, it's, it's a guide. It's, it's a starting point. And, you know, my, my hope is that, uh, people will take the larger sites and the, the, you know, the more important sites are kind of set aside in the book so that, you know, I, I sort of prescribe a, a, a tour of the big stuff. And my hope is that people will see the big stuff, learn about the big stuff, and something will click with them with one of the smaller sites that are close by that led to that battle or was a result of that battle. And they'll, you know, they'll take that one that's just a couple exits down and go check it out. Uh, the more visits we get, 
to not only the big ones but also to the small ones, uh, the better it is for all of us because that's what starts the cycle of, of preserving them. And, you know, a, a lot of times these smaller places that it's just, you know, maybe one person in the town who got interested and started some kind of remembrance of this, of uh, what happened there, uh, ends up creating something incredible. And I, I, I want those things to be recognized. You make an interesting point uh, in, again, how, telling people how to use the guide. You, you, you have maps, you show them what happened, uh, suggest what to visit. And you make a point that it's a good idea for us when we visit these uh, historic sites to patronize the local businesses, make a point to buy a souvenir or uh, have a meal locally. Don't eat at the McDonald's on the interstate uh, if you can eat at the diner in town because this will reinforce with the locals that their heritage is is worth something, uh, literally, in tourist dollars. Do you think we can make an impact that way? Yeah, I, I think that's extremely important. You know, if it if it happens enough time, enough times that you know somebody's coming to town and and they buy that extra tank of gas or sit down and have lunch, uh, and a lot of I mean everybody knows that these are people from out of town a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, it only takes a few times before the light bulb goes off with somebody, and and they think, wow, you know, people are coming here and spending their out of town money. And putting it into our economy, well, maybe we ought to get the Boy Scout troop over to that site and have it cleaned up. And Civil War buffs hear about that, and more people come see the site. And that just starts this really wonderful cycle uh, of of getting these sites not just preserved and set aside, but actually making them something worth going out of your way to see. And it, it, it just takes a spark. I'd wonder if that cycle, if that can go out of control. I'm thinking of a place like Perryville, Kentucky. I, I was last there maybe 10 years ago, and I don't know how much it's changed, but it was a one-stoplight town at that time, and the battlefield was, some of it was in a state park. Uh, there was no national park. Some was a state park, and a lot of it was still in private hands, and I know the, the Civil War Preservation Trust has obtained more of it since then uh, to, to give to the state park, but it was wonderful because it was somewhat, as you were describing the western site earlier, you could look all the way around 360 degrees, and yes, you could see power lines, but the houses were the ones that had been there, the fields were the ones that had been there. You could really immerse yourself in imagining this was October 1862, this was what the place looked like. If enough of us go there, eventually they're going to have to build uh, a Holiday Inn and put it where you can see it from the battlefield. Is that a problem? You know, it it is a problem. It's something that has to be recognized, but I think that's where wise management comes in. And I I think that there have been enough examples where people have done that successfully. Like Perryville is actually a great example. Um, When people ask me what my favorite battlefield visit in the country is I, I always say Perryville, and I still say Perryville because they've done a good job of doing exactly what you've described, and it hasn't changed in the 10 years since you've been there. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. There is, there is certainly a risk, I guess, of, you know, things popping up that sort of intrude on the landscape, but, uh, 
um, you know, people that hear about these battles and victories with uh, Walmarts and casinos at some of the larger sites, you know, I, I think I think people have become a lot more aware of that danger. And, you know, a lot of these sites aren't so pristine to begin with anyway. So, um, you know, if it means some bit of sacrifice to, to make a larger uh, contribution to the whole, then, you know, I guess that's probably the way it has to happen sometimes. Um, actually, you know what, the one that comes to mind now that I'm thinking about is uh, Bristol Station. Uh, if you go to the battlefield there, uh, you know, it's a county park, and there's a uh, there's a subdivision right next to it where all the streets are named after the generals who fought across the street. Um, and, you know, that that sort of project was a compromise. The housing development was there, but there was something worked out to where they could at least keep part of the battlefield. And it's a great place to visit. And I, I think sometimes that's just going to happen. You're going to have to take the good with the bad. The, you make a good point. There are victories, and, and things in many ways are better than they were uh, 20 or 30 years ago. If, if uh, some listeners may be old enough to remember the, the Stuckies on the Emmitsburg Road and the Gettysburg Battlefield, uh, certainly many of us remember when there were telephone poles along there, and uh, all those things have, have disappeared, and the battlefield looks neater and, and more 1863-like. In fact, this week, uh, I just read uh, this week that the Cyclorama building is coming down. I don't know if you had seen about that. I'd, I'd uh, seen that, just a headline or two, but uh, I'm glad they finally got that settled. <laughs> yes, that, that uh, uh, if you haven't been to Gettysburg in a long time, listeners, the, the Cyclorama is safe in the new visitor center, but the building that housed it for, for decades has been sitting up there on Cemetery Ridge as a rather obvious 18, uh, 1960s construction. Although that brings up another kind of public history question where, where the battlefield has its own history. The Cyclorama is itself a sort of historic building dating from the centennial era, at least, and, and an example of modernist architecture. So there are some people who are, are sorry to see it go because of what it represents. But uh, as you said earlier, you... you you have to give something to to get something, and and so that's going away. Um, I was I found it interesting. You mentioned Perryville is your favorite uh, battlefield visit, and and it's mine as well. And I feel vindicated knowing someone who's seen as many sites as you uh, uh, likes it, because uh, I think it really is a an incredible place. Uh, so, what's your second favorite one to visit? Uh you know, it's it's a close second. But uh, it's it's another western one, and that's Pea Ridge. Um, I visited Pea Ridge before I had decided to take to, to put this all into a book. Um, it was one of those trips where I'd read about Pea Ridge and Wilson's Creek, and you know, really had, didn't know anything about them, and, and went out there. And uh, you know, there is some development around. There's a there is a highway that sort of bisects the battlefield, but for the most part, it's it's pretty untouched. And when you when you climb to the top of Elkhorn Mountain and look from the two observation posts they have there, you see the battlefield, and it's it's uh, unlike uh, just about any other battlefield that we have. It's it's uh, just a wonderful place, I think. In as I was reading 
through this uh, frequently when I get anything that that's related to battlefield uh, visitation, I'll quickly page through and see, oh, is there any place I could visit just on a day trip? And, and here from eastern North Carolina, there are some places. Um, but uh, the the number one fan and listener to Civil War Talk Radio uh, is uh, my mother, who lives in uh, southeastern Michigan. And her question when I mentioned uh, what the show was about this week was, are there any sites in Michigan? And I know there are places like uh, uh, Fort Wayne, uh, the actual fort, not the city in Indiana, uh, just south uh, southwest of Detroit. Obviously, there was no conflict in Michigan. Do you offhand know of any Civil War-related sites uh, in the Great Lakes state? Well, when I think of Michigan, I think of Custer. Uh, mm-hmm. There's certainly a lot of George Armstrong Custer up there. Um, Ohio, actually, I guess... You know, it's it's a bit away from Michigan, but not too far. If if you go down to the uh, Rutherford B. Hayes uh, presidential site, of course, mm-hmm. he's one of the wars, uh, to me, underappreciated generals, um, mostly because I think he was overshadowed by his presidency, but uh, that's, that's a good site to visit, although not directly related with the war. Um, you know, that's one thing that I've discovered... It, you know, you you include uh, 440-something <laughs> sites, and you think you've done pretty good, but there isn't uh, a, a book show or a signing that I've gone to where somebody hasn't asked, well, why didn't you include, you know, their favorite site? There, there's always mm-hmm. somebody that brings up one that I didn't include. Um, so, you know, hope, would, I just got to keep my fingers crossed for that second edition and uh, and get all of those places in. Well, now I'm looking here at two other books, uh, Civil War Road Trip Volume 1 and Civil War Road Trip Volume 2. Volume 1 is a guide to Northern Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania, uh, 61 to 63, and Volume 2 is Virginia and Maryland, 63 to 65. Uh, How do these works relate to the the, the big book, the, the, the complete Civil War Road Trip Guide? Are these excerpted from it or, or separate approach how do they work it, it's a, it's a separate approach and and much more detailed the uh, the complete guide you know i i only had so much room to put the history in uh so when i talk about a certain battlefield i generally stuck myself to a paragraph about the history and then a paragraph about what exactly you'll see if you go there today with with the uh, volume one and two uh, Maryland Pennsylvania Virginia guides, uh, I I wanted to approach them in a in a campaign fashion rather than just well I'm in Arkansas what's close to me and the reason I did that is because I found that studying the war by studying the campaigns really helps connect the dots uh, with who's who why uh, an action occurred, where it did, when it did, uh, and how that affected other things down the line. Uh, so those two volumes follow chronologically by campaign. And it, sometimes that means a little backtracking, but uh, if, if, you, if you really want to learn the history piece, I think it's critical. Uh, you know, with, with this war, uh, even leaving out the brevets, we had just short of, 
a thousand generals uh, using Ezra Warner's count. Um, that's a lot of names to remember, and uh, I think it's if, if you follow it by campaign, you start to learn who these people are, what their tendencies are, and before you know it, you even get a few favorites or a few that you dislike, and and it makes it a little more personal and a little easier to pick up. These uh, the two individual volume road trip guides include more detailed instructions that uh, reminded me of the ones in the U.S. Army War College battlefield guides that I would guess most of our listeners are familiar with one or more of those where they tell you, uh, you know, drive up to this parking lot, get out, go up the hill 50 yards to your left, you'll see where you know Devon's brigade was deployed. And then it'll have maybe even a passage from the official records, uh, and you can read the words of the people who were there as you stand there. They're, those are great guides. Uh, and it looks like you've done that on a campaign scale here, where you actually guide people from place to place and give them some, some description of what's going on at that place. Were you thinking of those guides when you wrote this? Yeah, somewhat. You know, I certainly I've... You know, in the, in the few years I've been doing these books, I've I've learned a lot, and uh, I learned a lot from those those war college guides and and other guys that I picked up. You mentioned Jim Miles earlier. Uh, I picked up a lot of things from his books too. Um, but uh, it, it, there's a lot in in the the campaign volumes that I simply couldn't fit into the other book. Um, the other book uh, is is just too too broad in scope. Uh, so I decided to focus just on the Eastern Theater. And when I started out, I didn't intend to have two volumes either, but uh, it, I, I just thought that, you know, it needed that kind of detail. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think it's a, a combination of just wanting, wanting people to learn more when they're there and also the influences, like you said, with uh, the war, uh, the, uh, uh, the staff ride guides and, and uh, some of the other guys that are out there. Well, they are, they're very nicely produced books. I'm glad you got two volumes of it. And these are books you actually could curl up by the fire and read at home. Uh, maybe more, well, you could do that with the, the complete guide as well. But the complete guide, as I look through it in my office, I just think, oh, you know, I could go there. Yeah, I could, I could make a side trip there. Next time I'm speaking there, I'll go over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas the uh, the the volume one and two road trip guides tell you enough about the the actions that that you can go there in your mind as you're reading it, uh, and there, there's there's a narrative to them. Uh, both very valuable approaches, and and these are book, all three of these are books that anyone listening to this show would enjoy having. And uh, the only downside would be that they they make you want to get out and travel if you have to go and see these places. <laughs> Well, well, writing ahead, these please. books was my excuse to go to all these places, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that worked out well. Yeah. Well, we'll take well. another short break, and we'll come back in just a minute. We'll talk more with Michael Weeks, author of The Complete Civil War Road Trip Guide and other volumes. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio.
World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Best-selling authors, find tantalizing new books, learn the latest healthy living tips, and be inspired to coach yourself to success on Star Style. Be the star you are every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time on World Talk Radio. The Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her health hero daughter, Heather Brittany, fire up the airwaves with upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thursdays from 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Come play with us. listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Michael Weeks. He's the author of The Complete Civil War Road Trip Guide, as well as Civil War Road Trip Volume 1 and Volume 2, two uh, sequential chronological volumes covering uh, the campaigns in Virginia, uh, Maryland, and Pennsylvania from 1861 to 65. Uh, two different approaches to uh, seeing the Civil War uh, for yourself, seeing it firsthand, driving around, uh, and highly recommended. Uh, Mike, let me ask you uh, about the idea of uh, future editions of these, given that things change so much. Uh, as, as I was reading, for example, the road trip guide, I I looked at North Carolina to see where where could I visit, and uh, so I, I looked up New Bern, which is not far from here in Greenville, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and you you mentioned that there are big plans for the New Bern battlefield, but there's not really anything there yet, and I'm happy to say that there is now uh, a a beautiful walking trail uh, with. Uh, uh, there's a, a shelter. It's not really a visitor center yet, but it's a great place to visit. Uh, you can pick up a paper uh, guide and give yourself a self-guided tour. And uh, it the the entrenchments are, are amazingly preserved. Uh, so I've, I took my students there for the first time this year, and we all got a lot out of it. But that's an example of something that happened in just a few months or maybe years between the time you wrote this and the time it got in my hands there must be a lot of changes happening everywhere is there any way to keep on top of all of this yeah it you know fortunately for all of us but unfortunately for my book i guess uh you know being in the middle of the sesquicentennial uh there are are a lot of things changing right now and uh you know i i do have to kind of keep on top of you know all of these changes because i i think a book like this particularly after the sesquicentennial is over, is going to need uh, another edition. And, and my publisher and I, are we've already been talking about that and the need for that. Uh, and it's its good news for all of us. Um, Absolutely. 
the the one thing that I have been able to do, and this is not exactly a solution, but it's sort of a I, I guess a a halfway uh, stopgap is uh, an app is actually being built out of the complete uh, Civil War road trip guide, uh, and that will be out uh, probably the middle of February. And I was able to include a few updates, including Newburn, uh, oh, which good. which I unfortunately haven't gotten to see the new park yet, but I know that it's there. Uh, I saw I saw it being built before and mm-hmm. and uh you know it's always great when i can report that something like that has has finally come about uh newburn uh resaca uh fort jackson uh when i when i wrote about fort jackson south of new orleans it uh, it was still a couple of years after katrina and fort jackson really didn't open back up until last fall um and uh luckily i i could update that in the app too. So, eventually, there will almost assuredly be a, a new addition, but it's it's a few years down the road. It'll have to wait until after the sesquicentennial is done because there are just too many too many good things going on. Well, that is good news that that there are preservation and restoration efforts happening everywhere. Um, let me turn the table and ask what's the what's the worst thing uh, you you recall coming across. In your travels, or you, you, you just, uh, however you want to take that, the worst civil uh, war related thing. <laughs> well, you know what? Two different things <laughs> popped into my mind, and they're completely opposite things. So I'll make them both quick. Um, one was a site that I I didn't find, and that was uh, Cane Hill, Arkansas. Um, it, you know, I, I got into town not too long after a tornado had had ripped through. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of anybody in the town, and I couldn't find a thing on the battlefield. Um, you know, drove around, asked around, nobody could tell me anything. Uh, going through back issues of uh, Civil War news just a couple of days ago, I see that they've actually now <laughs> actually created a, uh, a monument and driving tour of that battlefield. Um, so... For a long time, I, I regretted not being able to find that one. That one bothered me. I'm not sure why, but uh, um, uh, luckily... The one that, that got away. Yeah, exactly, the one that got away. And as far as, you know, a lot of these places are parking lots now. A lot of them are underwater. Uh, TVA builds a dam, and there go 10 battlefields in, in Tennessee. But, uh, you know, the, for some reason... The fourth or fifth time that I was in Fredericksburg and went down to where Pelham's Corner is, uh, the southern end of the battlefield where uh, John Pelham set up his one gun and one crew and basically held the Union Army in check for about 45 minutes all by himself, uh, is a small shopping center called Pelham's Corner. And there's a small monument there, too, but... uh, uh, certainly, the sign for that mini mall is much larger, and you know I'd been there several times, and for some reason that that fourth or fifth time I was there, it just it really, really got to me. So now when I when I do presentations about the book or about Civil War travel, I almost always include that picture because it's it's just such a wonderful story and such a terrible scar on that that piece of ground. 
that that appears in Civil War Road Trip Volume One, the, the picture you're talking about with uh, the sign of the mini mall of, of Pelham's Corner, and uh, your your caption, you, you write Pelham's Corner, where Civil War history is most definitely history, uh, is borne out by the fact that there's a 7-Eleven sign as well, and I see gas prices are in the uh, the 270 range. So that tells us this was taken some years ago. <laughs> yeah. But uh oh that that's very evocative that uh uh that a lot of civil war history has been built over and uh uh that is a, a great example of of you know where things go and then they can't always be helped. Right. Let me ask another question. We talked about the battlefields in in public history as I learned that one of the lessons that uh, we we teach our students is that the number one thing the number one memory that visitors take away from a a visit to a museum or historic site is not the collection or the artifacts or the buildings uh, the number one impression will be made by the staff by by an interaction with a human being uh, how how did you experience that? Uh, did you interact with a lot of staff or a lot of fellow uh, visitors on the on your trips? Yeah, actually, I I kind of went out of my way to do that after a while, and it's it's something that I didn't start out doing. But um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, the the people that actually work at these sites, whether they're working for pay or just volunteers, uh, they they don't do it for the money. They do it because they love it, and um, what you learn from them about whatever site you're at is priceless. Uh, but one thing that I found also, and, and this kind of goes back to that cycle of preservation thing that we discussed earlier, but you know, when I tried to find these sites, the first thing I would do is I would look online and just kind of see what was there to see if there was just one thing that I could go to, check it out, and move on to the next. If I couldn't find anything, I would call libraries, town halls, chambers of commerce, that sort of thing. I would I would try all these things, and many times my last resort was just to go to wherever the site was and drive up and down the streets looking for stuff. And that many times would lead to me just going to the corner gas station or diner and asking around. And the first couple of times, it, it, it made me a little bit nervous because, like I said, everybody knows you're not from, from around there. Mm-hmm. And every head in the room turns towards you, and it's it's a little nerve-wracking. But once you start asking questions, and and it 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 can be touchy. You have to be careful about how you ask the questions, and you know, I I guess in my case, not act like you know the know-it-all northerner tourist. But uh, you know, I I got such wonderful stories and experiences from just just the locals who were were more than willing not only to share their knowledge of of uh, where these places were but also their own personal stories and that was maybe the biggest lesson that I learned from the entire process of, of writing that first book I, I had I had driven through the south plenty of times but I really had not spent significant time in the south and growing up in Chicago I, I really didn't have an appreciation for what the difference was. I I think people up north tend to, you know, 
they they hear some of these terms like the war of northern aggression, that sort of thing, and, and we sort of chuckle it off, chuckle it off as just somebody holding a grudge, and it's so much more than that. And um, hearing these people tell their personal stories, their family stories, uh, those are the things that stick with you and that you remember much longer than you're going to remember what so-and-so's battery, you know, what hill they were posted on and that that field with the cannons on it. Well, that that's, uh, you know, very eloquently put. And uh, I, I mentioned that the, the lead-in that Tony Horwitz will be on, on this show in a, a few weeks. And uh, he, of course, wrote about going through the South and, you know, sometimes in a humorous vein, uh, uh, tapped into some of the same things you're talking about, that there is this this deep well of memory. Um, Mark Dunkelman has done the same thing. In his, his, he follows his New York Ancestors Regiment uh, uh, in Sherman's footsteps, and uh, he may have, it may have been even more sensitive for him, asking people uh, in Sherman's footsteps what they thought about the Civil right. War. But... Uh, but in every small town that he went to, uh, he had the, the same kind of thing you're talking about, that people knew, people had local stories, people had local interests, they wanted to to share those. And that is uh, uh, a, a really good lesson. If we could all uh, take the time to, to make that kind of local visit and, and ask a few questions, we might well uh, learn something uh, about the war and about our... Uh, our, our fellow citizens in these places. Yeah, it, it, it really just it takes a very open mind, um, and you know you may occasionally hear things that you don't necessarily agree with, or that that might make you a little uncomfortable once in a while. But uh, you just learn so much; it's it's worth it. So let me close with some practical advice for our listeners. We have. Uh, uh, in in these books, you lay out uh, road trips, specific trips, which is very handy to suggest you might go for a certain number of days. Here are some things you can see. Um, what advice would you give to someone setting out on the this kind of trip? Anything particular you you definitely need to bring with you, or uh, any, any preconceptions you ought to leave behind? Uh, well, I, I, all of your preconceptions, preconceived notions, leave them at home. Um, you know, it, it, it certainly, it, it helps to know a little bit of the history. So if you can grab a volume, you know, maybe a, a one volume study of, of whatever you're looking at, then that's great. But most people don't have time for that. Um, you know, go there, um, with an open mind and just, just visit and sort of, just sort of see what happens. I mean, certainly, uh, talk to the rangers, participate in the programs. Take the tours, you know, take that extra five mile hike out to some remote site. Um, but, but be, be prepared to learn and, and be open to it. I think that's, that's the toughest thing for a lot of people is keeping an open mind. You know, you can, you can read dozens of books on a subject and study maps all you want, but until you get there and you walk on the ground and think about what those other people that were there 150 years ago might have been thinking on that same ground. That's that's when you start to get these revelations about what this war was all about and what it is today. Just to to go from that high plane to to a low one, 
um, you advise you know take the five mile hike, and I, I strongly agree. If there's if there's two trail loops, take the long one, see all you can. Uh, but last summer at Gettysburg for a conference, I was out on the battlefield on my own and looking at the wheat field, and I just hiked right across that uh, field because I wanted to see a specific spot. And when I got done and back to my dorm room, I was pulling ticks off for the next for the rest of that night and the next day and a half. I kept finding them. Uh, what kind of hazards did you encounter? Well, that's you know, I I think it's the the last thought that I leave everybody with out of the intro is uh, take water, a good pair of shoes, insect repellent. Is good? Some of these places down in, in uh, South Carolina and Louisiana, you you will get eaten alive unless you take the good stuff. Um, and one that I actually should have added there, and I've corrected in the app and the books following, is sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you take sunscreen out with you in the field. I learned that lesson the hard way too many times and the other thing too is if if you're going to get off the highway make sure your car is ready so many of these sites that are some of the best ones to visit you're on dirt roads gravel roads uh i remember going up one mountainside in west virginia monongahela national forest and uh i for about 20 minutes didn't think i was going to get back down the road was muddier than i thought it was and uh I thought I'd be camping up there on the mountain, and certainly at some place where my phone didn't work. Um, so, yeah, make sure your car is ready to go and it's ready to handle what you're going to see. Well, that sounds like good advice and a, a good place, uh, good good advice to leave us all with. Bring good shoes, bring your sunscreen, your water repellent, your, your bug repellent, and, and some water. And bring a copy of Civil War Road Trip Guide, the complete Civil War Road Trip Guide. Uh, and uh, for the specific trips in the East, Civil War Road Trip Volume 1 and Volume 2. All these are by Michael Weeks, our guest today. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for being on Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you. I had a great time. And listeners, you'll want to get those books. And as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the world talk radio network for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit worldtalkradio.com the world talk radio network where the world comes to talk the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the world talk radio network its staff and management